Amen. Good how you morning. doing? I'm doing well. How good, about you? Good, good, good. Excellent. Good. Why don't we kick this thing off? Yes, and absolutely. Talk about some wisdom. Yeah. So it's interesting because we've, um, you know, exploring, exploring the topic of Job, and I don't think anyone faces trials or suffering any better than someone like Job. Sure. We've got such a great example in the Word um, of of what he endured. And it's, it's interesting because we, when you look at that story, we tend to think that, you know, the, the aim of Job's suffering is to teach us about God. And I think that it actually teaches us a lot about not only Job, but, you know, you talked early on in the, in the series about sort of the host in heaven watching yeah. this unfold and how it's all going to play out on sort of like heaven's big screen TV. Right. Yeah. Um, and that was fun to have that to have that image, um, but you know ultimately Job in the very beginning, um, you know God is having this this conversation and you know um, this figure appears who you know we believe is Satan the devil, um, and essentially he accuses Job of worshiping God in order to be blessed, mm. and I think we see throughout this story that that's not the case right, it's not the Thankfully, case at all right. yeah praise god and you know most of the book focuses on job's dialogue with his friends and his friends are you know offering some not so welcome good advice right doesn't really <laughs> Very, help exactly end, right? exactly. Yeah, exactly it's controversial and yeah. um you know they also accuse job of of sinning and um you know but job stands his ground hmm. um but what i love is that you know as this trial that Job is going to face unfolds, you know, he doesn't understand what's happening to him. He doesn't understand why it's happening. And, you know, like us, when, when trouble comes, we don't, we don't know why. And we've asked that question early on in the series, you know, why is this happening? How can I endure this? And will I get through it? Um, and God never leaves. He's, he's there. He was there at the very Amen. beginning and um, he doesn't leave. And I love that. But I think the question that we're asking today is, you know, how will we deal with the shock, you know, the shock of suffering? And for some people, shock, you know, leads them to greater anger and despair. But for others, you know, it can lead them to greater reservoirs of, of hope and healing and mm. preservation. Yeah. And this is why wisdom is so important. And we're talking about, Amen. you know, how do we get wisdom in the, in the midst of trials and to truly be able to face suffering well requires wisdom and an incredible amount of, of wisdom. But rather than curse God, I love that Job, you know, he maintains his integrity mm -hmm. throughout it all. And I mean, he's bombarded with suffering. I mean, just unthinkable suffering. He loses his entire family. And even at one point, I think his wife says, you know, Job, you just need to curse God and die. You know, it's really bad, right? But Job, in the first chapter, after he faces all of these horrible things, he says in Job one twenty two, in all this he did not sin, nor did he charge God with wrong. Mm -hmm. That is just unbelievably amazing. Because oftentimes people, the first reaction is to people blame God. I mean, sure. they are offended. They, they're angry and they're upset and they think that you know god is at fault for you know what they're going through and and why does he let these horrible things happen right but later on in job in in chapter 13 
he says something else that's really profound. He says, though God slay me, yet I will trust him. That's, that's an amazing example of, of who God is. And, and, you know, how did Job even know God in such a way that he could trust him, yeah. even in the midst of what he was going through and, mm. and you know, what he was facing? Um, so how do we acquire wisdom? Yeah. You know, where does it come from? Sure, yeah. And, and I love, just like you said, I love that, that, that Job ended up with trust, even though he had lost everything else. And you got to wonder, isn't that what God's after in the first place, you know, is yeah. our trust? And yet it, it takes a growing amount of wisdom that God gives us to be able to grow in that trust. So that's a valid question. Where does that wisdom come from? Um, you know, for us, we probably look for wisdom in all kinds of different places, don't we? What's the number one place you look for wisdom at? Is it the internet? <laughs> Google. <laughs> Do you read books? Do you talk to friends? Do you go out to lunch and have that experience with them? Or how does that look for you? Where do you find wisdom? You know, we had an experience this past week where we had some friends over, uh, in fact, last night. And as we were cleaning up the house and getting it ready, we moved a couple of pieces of furniture around. And as we picked up one chair, we discovered on the floor that someone had put some putty on the carpet under a chair, two piles of putty under there, and forgotten it had left it there. Now, what happens to putty when it's left under a chair in a, in a room temperature house? On carpet. On carpet. <laughs> well, it, it melts into the carpet, right? And it fuses with the carpet. And so, yeah, and so uh, Maddie and Caleb, uh, our two youngest, <laughs> are seen here using hairbrushes to try to loosen up the putty that had emerged with the carpet and, in fact, is still there yet this morning. And, uh, and our goal was to have them learn some wisdom by experience. What do you not do with putty? You don't put it on carpet and leave it there because then it turns into a melty mess and then you have to try to get it out. That's how a lot of us get our wisdom, experientially, isn't it? As we fall into things and we learn from it. And if we've got friends around us who are trying to help and the help isn't coming, then it gets really challenging and difficult. The cool thing is, is that God stays with us and lets us acquire wisdom while not abandoning us. He doesn't turn his back. He lets us grow in wisdom. He lets us mess up. And he lets us even try to clean it up like these guys are seen doing here on screen. And yet, even if we fail to do that, he loves us and teaches us and leads us in wisdom through it. So yeah, so that was fun and that stain is still there. If you come over to the house, you can see it. And remember, this is how some people get wisdom. How about that, right? <laughs> yes. What do you think? Yeah. You know, the Bible tells us much about wisdom. And, you know, it's really just sort of really having an, an understanding. It's sort of, you know, seeing something, hearing something, contemplating it, and then understanding it. So you have this, you know, comprehension that's at play. But the Bible also tells us that, you know, wisdom is, it's discreet, it's, it's having discernment and understanding. And I love, and ladies, you'll love this, the Bible also describes wisdom as being ascribed to women. And I would, I would say that that's where sort of that term women's intuition comes from. Sure. Um, because of the way that the Bible describes wisdom. I mean, it is, you know, precious, it's, it's discreet, it's, 
it's unsearchable almost. Mm -hmm. And I love that wisdom is, it's given by God. It's not something that we just have. Even in Proverbs, it says, do not be wise in your own eyes. So, you know, we can, you know, think that we know everything, but we don't. I mean, we weren't here at the very beginning to see sort of, you know, what happened and how God sort of formed the earth and everything. And we just don't have that kind of wisdom. We don't have that kind of understanding, but God gives that to us. Jesus gives us Amen. wisdom. And it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. Even when we read in Second Corinthians or in First Corinthians, we see that wisdom is a gift of the Holy mm -hmm. Spirit. And it's one of the ways in which the Holy Spirit operates in us with that discernment. Amen. And I love that Proverbs also says, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. But, but how? And, and, and in what way? And, and what do we need it for? Like, you know, even Zophar, when Job was having this conversation with him, he's sort of accusing, when he accused Job of sinning, and, you know, he's saying, you know, you've done something wrong. You need to repent. You need to get it together. Mm -hmm. And I just, he basically says, you need wisdom from God. You right. need God's wisdom. And in our focus scripture for today in Job 28, 9 through 15 and 20 through 28, the key verse for me is verse 20. It says, from where then, and this is Job asking, from where then does wisdom come? And where is the place of understanding? Yeah, good. Yeah. And really, as we dig in and we understand the hidden nature of wisdom, this is really important. Uh, think about this for a second. Wisdom is gained and wisdom is learned by people because it is hidden. The mysteries of God and, and the idea that God works in mysterious ways, that's not an accident. Um, there was uh, a theologian who once wrote that, you know, something on the order of this, I'm paraphrasing, the idea that God reveals to us his truth in small pieces because if he gave us the whole thing, we wouldn't be able to handle it. Wisdom is like that. Wisdom is hidden and Wisdom is findable. We can find it. It's kind of like mining for gold or precious minerals. It's kind of like looking for details in the human genome. It's kind of like the idea of finding so many stars and so many different structures in space that you want more, that you want to dig in further, go further, make better telescopes, and go deeper. But the idea of wisdom being hidden and findable is akin to the idea that wisdom is incalculable and innumerate. God's wisdom is eternal and it has no end. And we can't handle all of it. But at the asking and at the seeking, God will reveal his wisdom to us. It is accessible to us. It's the idea that if we seek through the power of the Holy Spirit, we will find. Job even talks about this, right, Dee? Yeah, and it's, I love that you know, even creation itself, and we're talking about sort of mapping the stars and the mm. human genome that, yeah. you know, even the earth itself, wisdom cannot contain its own wisdom or its ordering principle. Mm. Even when Jesus died on the cross at the point that he said it is finished, the earth shook. Right. And so I, I mean, I can only imagine, you know, from creation standpoint, you know, the only person who knows the way of wisdom is now gone. Yeah. What do we do? The earth is, I mean, probably panicked. Sure. Well, no. <laughs> it's in a state yeah. of panic. Right. And only God knows the way of wisdom. He imparted it himself in, in Jesus, and he imparts some of that wisdom to us. But 
I think the, the conclusion of the matter is that we can only obtain wisdom one way. Amen. And Job describes that for us in, in verse 28. Hmm. He says, And to man he said, Behold the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to shun evil is understanding. So we only obtain wisdom through the fear of the Lord? Amen. What, what does that mean? Yeah, what exactly is that like? And you probably have heard the term fear of the Lord, haven't you? Well, when we think about fear, fear is usually what? Fear is being afraid of something, like I'm not able to approach that thing or I shouldn't approach that thing. It's like when you get wisdom when you're a child, you learn not to touch fire. How? You touch a fire. <laughs> Right? And you learn not to touch the fire anymore like that. So you're afraid of fire, but it's a healthy fear. And as you grow up, you learn to use fire in a productive way, to build a fire and fire pit when you go camping or something like that, right? But it's the idea that God gives us the ability to learn, and he does that by helping us to pattern ourselves after Jesus. Jesus feared the Lord, but Jesus was not afraid of his Father. There's a difference. This word fear literally means an awed-filled respect. It is a full respect for someone that leaves you in awe of them. So whenever the Bible says the fear of the Lord, that's what it's talking about. It's not talking about being afraid of God. It's talking about respecting him so much that you look at the breadth and the power and the depth of his wisdom, and you have an awe-filled respect for that. And it fills you up and it changes your heart toward him. You know, the Apostle Paul had this fear and this respect of the Lord. And he talked about this idea of getting wisdom and gaining it. Uh, really, he was writing from prison in Rome when he reached out to the church in Ephesus and wrote some words that we're going to dive into a little deeper now. Yes, yes, absolutely. So Paul's letter to the Ephesians in chapter 3, starting in verse 14, he says... This is the Apostle Paul saying, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through this spirit, through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Hmm. And that word might is the same word as power. Hmm. And I, I like that... Um, the Greek word is dunamis, mm -hmm. so the dunamis power. And God holds the power alone, but that power is also wisdom because we, are, we, we do revere God. We mm -hmm. have a reverence for him, so that's that fear that you were talking yeah. about, that, that awe, respect, and that reverence for who he is. Sometimes we can try to bring God down on our level. Yeah. We can't. Right. We have to remember who it is we are talking about. Mm -hmm. His ways are not our ways, and his thoughts are not our thoughts. Right. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. We cannot bring him to our level. We access him through Jesus, and we access dunamis power yeah. through Jesus. Yeah. That God, that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. Amen. Yeah, and I, I love that too, V, because dunamis is, is the same root word that we get dynamite and dynamics from. You think about dynamics in music, what does that mean? Dynamics means that sometimes the music is very soft and very quiet, and sometimes the music is very powerful and loud, and then sometimes it's kind of mediocre right in the middle, right? 
but the changing of the power of music dynamics is kind of like an illustration of, of how God is. Sometimes God whispers wisdom in a still small voice. And sometimes God lets you get hit in the face with a two by four in, in life, right? But in, in between those, in the everyday, God teaches wisdom and wants us to have wisdom so that we can have personal power that we're tapped into in him. God doesn't want you aimlessly wandering through life without him. When he gives you his wisdom, when he loans his wisdom to you on a daily basis, what he's doing is he's empowering you to face your life. He's empowering you to meet the challenges of your life, especially in including suffering, right? Yes. You know? Yes, absolutely. Love that idea. Yeah, I do too. And, and personal power is, is amazing because in the, in further in, that, in the verse that we're reading in Ephesians, the Apostle Paul goes on to say that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. The fullness of God includes that personal power. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And that, that word fullness, have you ever thought about what that means? If you ever read this verse report before and you thought, well, what is the fullness of God and do I have access to that? Uh, the short answer is yes. Not only do you have access to it, but you're called to access it. You're called to grow in the fullness of God. And here's the idea. That same word is also used uh, back in Jesus' day to talk about provisioning a ship to go out for battle. The ship is provisioned with all kinds of food and ammunition and, most importantly, people to sail the ship, right? It's the same idea as when we're packing for vacation. Uh, have you ever packed for vacation before and gotten to the vacation site and found that you forgot to pack something? <laughs> Have you heard that, had that experience or a similar yes. one? Yes. Yeah? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, this past January, we were um, going on a cruise for our anniversary. And... Typically, I always have to pack not only for myself, but I also have to pack for our five-year-old. Okay. And she, you know, picks out her own things, and, you know, I still have to go over and make sure that she hasn't forgotten anything. Um, I do not pack for my husband, although sometimes I will ask if he's forgotten anything, but with, you know, the rush of sort of getting everything together, um, we fly to Miami, we, you know, board the cruise ship, and we're going to the Bahamas. Okay. So, of course, you need your swimsuit. Yeah. So we get checked in to our stateroom, <laughs> he unpacks and realizes, I don't have any swim trunks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I forgot to pack his swim trunks for him. How could I? Somebody bad wife, bad wife. Yeah, exactly. So we, we get to the Bahamas, and I have to search the island to buy him swim trunks yeah. because we're going to the beach. You can, I mean, it's not that kind of trip. You need swim trunks. <laughs> yeah, you can't just go in your underwear, right? Tony? Right. That, that would not be good. Right, yeah. right. But right. we weren't prepared. I mean, you're, you know if you're going to the beach, this is an essential item. Yeah. And so it was, it was funny that, you know, with all the packing, that he didn't have his swim trunks. Yeah, yeah. But when he packed this week for his trip, I did ask him. I said, hey, do you have, you know, shorts or whatever so that when you get to he's staying with family so that, you know, you can walk around the house when you go change clothes, you know, covered um so yeah i helped him prepare this time better than better than last time good job Dave, for helping him prepare <laughs> for his Tony. that's good that's awesome but yeah but the idea becomes you know are we prepared 
It's one thing to be prepared for vacation. It's another thing entirely to be prepared for a life, right? And so the idea of accessing the fullness of the wisdom of God includes us being prepared to meet suffering head on in the way that God designed us to meet it. And that is with his wisdom and his power that gives us personal power and the idea of being fully prepared. Yes, absolutely. And godly wisdom through Jesus also includes limitless potential. And I love that, that we're talking about that because we oftentimes can put limits on God and what he's capable of and, and what he can do in and through us right. and in and through other people. Right. And so, you know, having access to God's wisdom, including limitless potential as a result of Jesus' suffering, Job's suffering, our suffering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And kind of a, a closing thought on that for the last portion of that scripture, the Bible says in Ephesians 3 verse 20, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. That same dunamis word. Yes. To him be the glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. It's the idea that the wisdom that God gives us and the suffering we go through are taking us somewhere. They're taking us to some immeasurable, some bigger than life, a blessing or some gift to some persons or people out there that we may not even know yet by tapping into the suffering that we go through and applying God's power to that, there's a numerate blessing out there for ourselves and for other people that is as big as are the number of stars in the sky. Unpredictable, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. And God is amazing in, in power and in wisdom and we do have access to that. He says if we just come and ask, he would give us wisdom liberally. Yeah. Like he won't, God will not withhold the wisdom that we need. He won't withhold that from right. us. He doesn't withhold anything from us if we simply ask. Sure. It's like getting free ref- refills at the, at the pop bar at, you know, at, at your favorite <laughs> restaurant, right? Yeah. Don't you get a little excited when you go out to eat and you see free refills? That is just so cool. You can go up as many times as you want, and it's all free. Yes. It's the same way with the wisdom of God. But that freedom that we have to approach him and wisdom is not cheap. came by the blood of Jesus, didn't it? Yes, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And the Apostle Paul was familiar with suffering as well. But he trusted in Jesus. He trusted in Christ for the outcome of his life and his suffering. Mm, Sure did. The same way we see with Job when he says, Yet he, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Right. He's trusting God not only in the midst, but he's trusting God for the outcome. Yes, both. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's so good. That's so good. And Job even says, uh, but he knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. Think about that. The idea that God has declared you to be golden. He's declared you to be of value and of worth. And the suffering that you go through is not in spite of that. The suffering you go through is to get you to that. It's part of your story, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Right? Yeah, the, the, process, the process of refining gold and silver, it is harsh. Yeah. It's very harsh. Right. But the outcome is glorious. It's magnificent. Right, yeah. And we see throughout Scripture, throughout Job, throughout Jesus, even the image of Jesus mm-hmm. praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Right. He's trusting the Father for the outcome. Amen. Yeah. 
trouble doesn't last always. Right. The Bible says weeping endures for a night, but joy comes, comes in, in the, the morning. morning. Yeah, that's such good news, isn't yes. it? Yes, right. amen, you amen. Know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's the idea that when Christ comes again, this whole idea of glory and us being a part of that, um, Peter talks about this in, in the first chapter of his book. He says, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed in the whole world. What we believe that to mean is that it's not about us getting glory necessarily, but it's about us understanding that Jesus will be glorified when he returns and we will participate in that. And our story here on earth is a function of that, is a part of that amazing return of Jesus in all glory. Yes, absolutely. There is glory in his story and his glory is our in story. In our story as well. Yes. Right? That's yes. such good news. It is great news. Right. Great news. Amen. Yeah. So why don't we pray, and, uh, and we'll go into a time of prayer. And why don't we just ask all of our friends here, and we know everybody in the room. Why don't we just ask all of our friends here, in this moment of prayer, take a time now to just let your spirit kind of empty out. Let it empty out before the feet of Jesus. And at the same time understand that we are golden and we are valuable and we have been set apart to carry God's glory and that comes through our suffering as we grow in wisdom we understand fully and more fully what that means by accessing the fullness of God let's pray together and dwell in that now you join me Heavenly Father thank you so much for your word and God I just admit before you now that all the times that I've messed up and made choices that you would not approve of and have said you don't approve of, you love me anyway, and you let me fall, and you let me fail for the one specific express purpose of knowing that I am not God and you are, so that I can turn to you and trust in you and grow to be like you. That includes accessing your wisdom and the reason why you have me here and the reason why you have my friends here and the reason why you have family and everybody around me, people at work and such, my kids and my kids' friends, all these people are loved by you and wanted by you. And your wisdom is what leads us to be a part of you reaching out to them with your story, the story of your love. So let your glory shine in the story of each one of us, God. We trust you. We love you. We thank you. We worship you now in song and dwell in your presence. In your name we pray, and together we say, amen, amen. and amen. Let's welcome the kids back in, and we'll close out our message time with some music.